Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Today is a brand new series that's going to carry us through February called Emotions. Turn your name and say Emotions. I'm just curious today, uh, just by a show of hands, how many guys would say, in general at large, uh, this is this is a very like in culture around the world and just kind of right what we just come through or what we're coming through. This is a very emotional time. Anybody want to be honest enough to say it's been an emotional time? Raise them up high. I want to make sure I'm preaching to the good group today. All right. Um, yeah, I think that with everything that we have been co- going through, coming through, um, it's a very heightened emotional time. Now, listen, I'm not going to say it's the it's the highest emotional time in history, because that would be, I think that would kind of maybe skew it a little bit. There's been other times that have been greater emotions than what we're experiencing. However, because of our knowing everything there is to know and all the, uh, all the uh, connections that we have, all the communication that we have, we are much more aware of what's happening on the other side of the world than ever before. In seconds, we can see what's happening. Um, and as a result, I'm going to say something to you, as a result... Our EQ has been broken at, at large, as, as a whole. Now, some of you are saying, what is an EQ? Well, there's IQ, that's your intellectual uh, quotient or how smart you are. There's EQ, and EQ is your emotional quotient or your emotional intelligence. Now, here's what it's actually defined as. It's the ability to use and manage your own emotions in a positive way to relieve stress, to communicate effectively, empathize with others, and overcome challenges and diffuse conflict. So what I'm saying is, is that we actually have a broken EQ, I think, as large in our culture. Because nobody knows how to relieve stress. Nobody knows how to communicate. They don't know how to diffuse any kind of conflict whatsoever. In fact, it's just building and building and building, which leads to this emotional place that we find ourselves in today. Now, you, you, you add all these things in. If I were to ask you, turn to somebody next to you and ask them, how are you doing? Go ahead and say, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> now, so what's interesting is I just watched some of your interactions. And some of you were struck by the question as if, what? How am I doing? I don't, I don't know. How am I doing? Others of you were like, I, I, I'm at a horrible place. Others of you are like, give me a little time to wake up. I just crawled out of bed and just barely made it to church, you know? So there's all different kinds of emotions that go on. Um, and especially now, on the backside of this pandemic that we've come through, and that we're going to come out of, right? We're coming out of it. We're on our way to freedom. We're on our way. God's going to heal. God's going to restore. We're getting there. And as we move through this, as we go through it, this word, this, this phrase, how are you doing, is the most complicated word, a question that people can really come up with because we don't really know. One day we're good. One day we're bad. One day we're doing all right. So we get on social media and then we're bad. 
uh, one day we're good or one day we're bad. It doesn't really, it really is a, a challenge. If you could describe, think about this, if you could describe in one word what you're feeling right now emotionally in this state that we live in, in the condition that we, at, that we are at, in the condition where you're at, what would that one word be, and you cannot use curse words? No cuss words. Please, let's keep it clean in church. Think it in your head. Don't say it out loud. Give me one word. I just want to have a couple of you. If you have a word, just could you just say it out to me? I just want to hear what is your one word that you would describe the emotional state that we're kind of in in our world today? Okay, I heard uh, what? Stressed. Stressed, okay. Overwhelmed. Frustrated, sad, uncertain, huh? Exhausted, yeah. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. We, does, everybody, you got one word? Everybody raise your hand. You got a word to describe kind of where you Raise your hands up high. You got a, I'm not going to call on you. Just raise your hand. Everybody's like, don't call on me. I'm not going to call on you. Just make sure you have a word. We could use a lot of words to describe the emotional place we're in. One guy said uh, that they're at a very numb place. Other people have said angry, irritated, uh, afraid, fearful, uh, unsettled. Uh, think about it. When we go to greet somebody in our culture today, in our world today, uh, you don't know how to really interact. Is you know, Can I cross the six-foot line? Can I do an elbow? Can I shake a hand? You know, I do meet and greet here, and some of you are like going fetal position. Don't touch me, right? We don't know really how to interact with each other. We're kind of like, ooh, I don't know. I don't want the vid, all right? You know, I mean, we just, we all kind of have this emotional place that, that the pandemic has thrusted upon us. And unfortunately, for that reason, it's reshaped how we deal with emotions, and many times the way we deal with emotions is we just stuff them down. And we just kind of sit on them. We just kind of push them down. Don't deal with it. Don't face it. Don't ever be emotional. So I wanted to start this series all about, we're going to look just specifically at four different emotions that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. Um, and we'll kind of go down the journey. We're going to use the best example that we could find, and that is Jesus Christ. And what emotions he had. Do you realize, if you do a study on emotions, and you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read the story about Jesus, you read all the interactions he had, you realize that there are 39 different emotions that Jesus expressed? 39 different emotions. Now, I didn't even know there were 39 emotions, right? Until I had a teenage daughter and I saw all 39 in 30 seconds. <laughs> Changed my perspective of life. And those of you who have teenage daughters say, yes, amen. amen. Preach it, preach it, pastor. You're on roll. <laughs> there might be a hundred, I don't know, for the teenage girl. Anyway, 39 different emotional ex expressions of our Savior while he walked on the earth, while he interacted with us. And in those 39 expressions, Jesus, being fully God and fully man, had to express himself with emotion because he was just like us. He struggled with emotions. He dealt with emotions. He had the same political influence that were going on around them. Uh, in fact, more so 
He had religion and religious people all around him telling him he was doing wrong. He had all these human lies around him that he just was burdened by. In fact, uh, in the Gospels, there's one story of Jesus looks down at Jerusalem and he begins to weep, begins to cry. Why? Because he saw people who were hurting. He saw people who were under religious bondage. He saw people who were hopeless. He saw people who, who felt like they couldn't come close to God. And his heart welled up with an emotion of sadness and grief for the city of Jerusalem, the people, the Jewish people. Another story talks about how uh, in the temple courts, there was a, a group of money changers. They were selling things. They were selling all kinds of things. And Jesus walked in. He became enraged in anger and he began to flip over tables and he began to say my father's house will be a house of holiness you will not do this here and he grew angry in his emotion and so many times we look at anger as something well that's not of god but yet we see that jesus and a righteous anger was completely okay jesus at one point sent out 72 believers out to witness and to do miracles around and as he sent them out, they came back and they started telling about what they had done and what God had used them to do. And joy raised up inside of Jesus' heart. He was so overjoyed with the victories that they had seen because he knew that he was handing off the mission of the work of the kingdom of God. His friend Lazarus, who he's good, good friends with, passes away. He cries. He, goes, he waits four days. He shows up to the tomb of Lazarus. He sees the sisters crying, and he himself is moved, and he says, move the stone away. And because he was so emotionally compelled to see what God can do, he brought his friend back to life. The night he was betrayed, just before he went to the cross, he went to a place in the garden, and he found himself crying and weeping in great sorrow to the point that it said that beads of sweat were like drops of blood coming down his head because the emotional trauma and torment, torment and, and, and pressure he was going through to fulfill what God had called him to do. Jesus showed us that emotions are a part of our life, but they do not control our life. Hello? Hear me? Just because we have emotions do not mean that the emotions dictate or navigate the direction of our life. And today, I want to read a story to you that is uh, a story that is, has sorrow and has sadness and has, has very hopelessness to it. But when Jesus shows up and when he's moved to compassion, some overwhelming, powerful things take place. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. We're going to start... In verse 11, and let me just tell you, Jesus has just finished preaching here. Let me give you context. Jesus just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount. If you guys know the Sermon on the Mount, it's the Beatitudes and what kind of people we were supposed to be and how blessed we were if we were peacemakers, if we were loyal to God, if we were faithful, and then what would happen. And so here is Jesus now. It says, goes on to say, it says, soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples uh, to the village of Nain, Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out and approached the village gate. The young woman, everybody say young woman, young woman, who had, no, I'm sorry, the young man, that's a man, that's not a woman. You all followed me. I was jumping down to the woman, but not yet, not yet. Young man, some of you, some of you hesitate, I heard you like, woman, what? The young man who had died 
was a widow's what? A widow's only son. And, uh, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord, say this with me, when the Lord, when the Lord, what would happen? His heart overflowed with, what did it overflow with? Compassion. And he said, don't cry. Don't cry. He goes on to say, then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy, what happened? The dead boy sat, sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the, swept the crowd. And they praised God saying what? A mighty prophet, say it with me. A mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. So Father, visit your people today, us Come speak to us. Come encourage us. Come bring hope to the hopeless, healing to the broken. God, may you be be the one that shows up today and comforts your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, just visualize this story. A funeral is going on. Um, In those days, they actually had professional wailers or criers that they would pay to come and cry on behalf of dead people. And they would walk with them in the streets and they would wail and they would cry. It was, it was not a private scene. It was a very public scene when someone passed, someone passed away. They made a very public analogy that this was going down and this was happening. And here they are in deep grief, the mom in deep grief, the emotional time going on, and Jesus shows up. Now, what we don't know is this. We don't know much about this widow, except she's a widow. So that means she was married. Her husband is now passed. We don't know how he passed. We don't know how long he had passed. We don't know in what condition or what what was the circumstance that led to his passing. We don't know. There's a lot of details, but we know that when he passed, they had a son. And the son has now passed away. We also don't know much about the son. We don't know how old he was. We don't know uh, in those days, uh, fathers uh, had apprentices, which was their child, their children, and their sons would learn their craft, and they would help financially take care of the family. When dad passed away, the sons would financially help take care of the moms and and the sisters because that was their role to provide for their family. So here's what we know. A widow woman had lost her husband already, and now has lost her son, more than likely lost all of her income in her life. She had no hope. She had no future. She was at a very desperate place of despair and loss. Desperately a sad, sad place. But Jesus sees it. And here's what verse 13 says. It says, the Lord Jesus, what he do? He, he saw her. He he, now, 40 times, 40 times in the Gospels, it says, Jesus saw them. Jesus saw him. Jesus saw the children. Jesus saw her. This is different than just looking. This is noticing. He noticed something deep inside of this woman that moved something inside of him. 
He saw that there was deeper pain. He saw that there was a despair, that there was a struggle. He saw that there was fears inside of her. He saw her. That means he looked, in my opinion, he looked her innermost being, and he was moved to compassion. Now, all the guys in the house, raise your hands up high. All the guys, all the men, I hope that all men raise their hand. Men, we look, but we do not see. Wife says, go get a pair of scissors out of the, out of the kitchen drawer. You go to the kitchen drawer, you're looking around, you're scraping, you're scraping, you're throwing stuff around. They're not here. They're right by, and she tells you, and you go, no, they're not here. And then she gets up, and she comes in, and she goes, they're right here. Now, my theory is she had the scissors the whole time. She just wanted to send me on a goose chase to try to find them. Trying to drive me crazy looking for scissors that aren't even in the drawer. I know the story. I know the trick. Women are great seers. They go into houses. They notice the color of the walls. They notice the carpet color. <laughs> they notice the new appliances, and guess what they want? New appliances, new wallpaper, or new, no wallpaper, <laughs> new wall colorings or whatever. Uh, or or they, you, go, you go to someone's house for dinner, and we sit down and we eat. And I notice she's not eating as much as I am. I'm just, I'm throwing it down. I'm like, this is amazing. This is great. This is awesome. And then we leave there, and she goes, did you see that kitchen? I can't believe you ate after seeing that kitchen. You're going to have to get your stomach pumped. And I said, there was a kitchen? I didn't even notice a kitchen. I, I had food in front of me, right? Women see, guys look, but we don't see, right, guys? It's okay. Say, they're tricking us, right? They're tricking us. This is what, this is what, uh, this is what I'm saying. Jesus saw her. Jesus noticed her. He looked into something that was deeper than what was just on the outside. Single mom, a widow that now has lost her son, and she, he was at a very, or she was at a very desperate place. And Jesus had this deep, profound sadness and pain towards this widow that he knew nothing about. He knew nothing about her story, but he saw her and he felt for her and he he knew that something had to be done. Some of you here today, that's exactly where you're at. You feel like no one sees. You feel like no one knows. You feel like no one can understand the pain or understand the loss or understand the sadness you're going through. You feel like you're completely alone maybe in the, the, the life steps or the season that you're going through. I'm just here to encourage you today. Jesus sees you. He not just sees you, he is moved with compassion for you. He understands your pain. He understands your struggle more than anybody else. He understands those thoughts, oh, those thoughts, those thoughts that mess with our life, those thoughts that try to control our steps. As a man or a woman thinks, therefore they go. They direct themselves. He knows your thoughts, your secret thoughts that you never speak to anybody. He sees and he knows what you're going through today. And here's what it says in verse 13. It says, when he saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. 
He overflowed with an emotion of sadness that said something needs to be done. See, compassion, compassion moves us to compel us to do something about a situation. It's not just about being sad, it's compassion. And this word compassion is translated in the Greek as splagna. Say splagna. So you can say to someone you have compassion, say, I have splagna for you. Dear words, dear deep words, splagna. It means to feel from the deepest, now translation, guts, bowels. Now listen, when we say bowels in our world today, in our American uh, uh, Western culture, we think of something other than a good thing, right? When they, were, when they would say, I love you, they would say, I love you from my bowels. Now, girls, imagine your guy writing that in a letter to you. Oh, baby, you make my bowels move. I mean, no sweeter words have ever been spoken than that right there. Will you marry me? Because I seriously have deep emotional bowels for you. I'm serious. That's, so bowels is this deep, overwhelming, from the deepest, most part of them, they would be moved with compassion. It's the feeling of someone else from the deepest part of you. And so many times it's kind of like you ever been driving down the road and you'll see the, the lights kind of glaring ahead. You know that something bad has happened. Maybe a, a wreck has taken place, fire trucks are ahead, ambulances ahead. You're kind of driving down the road. Uh, you're just like everybody else. You stop and you check out what's going on. And, and you're moved and you said, oh, man, God help him. I know for us we say a prayer, God help them. I hope they're okay. I hope everybody's all right. It's the difference between driving by an accident and not knowing the people than driving by the accident and noticing the cars. Noticing what's hanging in the mirror. And noticing the people on the ground is someone you know. Splagna. There's a different movement. There's a movement that says, I have to do something to help them out. It's a deep compassion from the deepest heart so deepest part of us jesus saw he noticed and he was moved to do something about this particular one and today that is what jesus is doing for you he sees you but he not just sees you he knows what you're going through he feels that deep compassion and pain for you and you may say well who am i that he would care listen you're the exact one he cares about because you are too humble to think you would ever be loved. He is the one that's reaching out to you. This widow woman, I guarantee you, she thought nobody was ever going to notice her that day. She was going to bury her son and go about her life and try to figure out how to make it work. But Jesus saw her. She felt insignificant, but Jesus saw her. And today, Jesus sees you. He knows what you're going through. He sees the pain. He knows the struggle. He knows the anxiety you're under. He understands the pressure you're feeling. He knows the loss you have endured. He knows the marital struggles you're facing. He understands the financial pressure you're under. He understands that you have relationships that are broken down. And he sees you and he's moved with compassion for you because he wants you to know you're not alone in the loss. You're not alone in the pain. When Jesus says these words to this woman of devastation, he says, don't cry. Don't cry. And it says that he walked 
over to the coffin, and he touched it. And what does it say? And the bearers stopped. Now, let me just give you a little bit of insight about this coffin. It's not a coffin like you would think of today. It wouldn't be fully enclosed. It would have sides on it. More than likely, it was the body just laying inside of it on a wheel cart pulled by bearers. They didn't have pallbearers, but they, they were be pulling the cart. Jesus walked over to the coffin to stop it, to stop it. But then it says that he touched the boy. Now, to you and me, I mean, there's nobody in this room that I think when you go to a funeral that that's what you want to do. But even in their day, it was even more uh, taboo to touch something dead. In fact, a good Jewish person in those days, if they touched anything dead, they would have to go through several days of what they call ceremonial cleansing that they, couldn't, that they could not ever touch anything dead. So this was amazing that Jesus not only came and stopped the coffin and stopped the cart, but he touched the boy. It's why it said they were shocked. They were in awe. What is this guy doing? He is not allowed to do this. He is not allowed to cross the line. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus Christ crosses lines. He is not stuck to tradition. He is not stuck to religion, rules, and regulations. He did not come to keep the religious people happy. He came to shake their world. He came to say, hey, you made up these silly rules about what people need to do. I am the resurrection and the life. I will do what I feel my father has told me to do. And Jesus crossed the line. He crossed religious lines. He crossed traditional lines. He crossed all cultural lines that were in place because Jesus knew she needed a miracle. And he crossed the line. Nothing will keep Jesus from crossing the line in our life. We believe that Jesus, here at Crossview, we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. I'm going to say it again. We believe Jesus is the hope of the world. He was the hope before COVID. He'll be the hope for every other pandemic that's going to come down the road. He will still be the hope because he is the hope of the world. And because he's the hope of the world, the church, we as a church, as cross you, we are called to live differently, and we're called to shine the light of Christ and the hope of Christ from who we are. Right? Right? It's why when the pandemic struck last year, or two years ago, it's why we followed what was said. We shut down our walls, shut down our doors, went to simulcast, or went to streaming, went to, did some in-person worship, things like that. But the minute... That our president at the time gave us the green light and our governor said you can open back up. It is why we were the first church to open up in, Ke in Keokuk because we believe Jesus is the hope of the world. I'm not going to apologize for it. Some say, well, that was reckless. Well, you know what? Here's what I think. Jesus was reckless that day when he stepped out, he crossed the line, and he went up to a dead boy, and he touched him, and he came back to life. 
And if we don't get a little bit reckless and we don't become a little bit, con- let, stop letting fear paralyze us from what God can do. I got to calm down. I'm getting into it. This is not about COVID. It's not about politics. It is about faith in the one who holds us and the one who crosses the lines. He didn't let anything hold him back. He went and did what he knew he was supposed to do. He saw a dead boy, he saw a grieving mother, and he knew this is what is supposed to be done. And I don't care what anybody says about it, I will do what my father has called me to do. And he goes over, he lays in one touch, he lays his hand on that boy, and the crowd goes, and the boy goes, I'm alive. The crowd gasped because he broke every religious barrier, but the boy was brought back to life. And some of you today, that is what he's going to do. He's going to cross every religious barrier you have. He's going to come into your world. The doctors have given you a report. The doctors have said it's hopeless. The doctors said you cannot make it. We don't know how it's going to happen. And you know that you have a healing Savior who can do the impossible. And he will cross the barriers. He will cross the line. And in one touch, he can heal and be completely restored. In one touch. In one touch, he can heal a relationship. In one touch. In one touch. He can restore finances that have been drained and, 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 and wiped away. In one touch, he can do the impossible. With just one touch, Jesus crosses the line. And in one touch, he changed a woman's life. He changed a young boy's future in one touch. He took a woman from being a beggar to a woman who had her son back and had a future in front of her. He took a boy who God only knows what that boy went on to do. Can you just imagine, can you just imagine that boy's story? Can you imagine that he says, I don't know what happened, but I was dead. I saw the light, and I was going to the light, but Jesus showed up and brought me to a place that I could come back and help my mom and help my family survive. Why? Because Jesus crosses the line. Jesus meets us where we're at. This is why I love cross you. I love cross you get because even through a pandemic, even through a political uprising, even through cultural shifts and changes, what I love about each and every one of you that I call cross you, I call, I call my family, is you guys uh, we're in this thing together, and we'll get through this thing. We're, we're going through it. We're believing God, right? We believe for healing. We're believing for restoration. If man just gets out of the way, it could happen so much faster. God does the impossible. God moves in impossible realms. And no matter what, we're going to get through this. We're going to see ourselves on the side. There is, there's not a new norm. The new norm is that we serve God and we serve him with all our hearts like we were doing pre-pandemic. That we trust him with every part of our lives. Some of you, you're unsettled. Some of you, you're anxious. Some of you today, you're desperate. You're hopeless. Some of you today, you're tense. You're irritated. You're agitated. You're frustrated. All these things, understand this. 
Cry out to God like the woman who was crying for the loss of her son. Cry out to God. He hears you. He sees you. And he crosses the line. There is no limits to what he will do. He crosses the line. I believe this for me. I believe this for you. I believe this for your family. I believe there is nothing impossible. We sang it at the very first of the song. Nothing is impossible with our God. Here's the deal. You know who limits God? We limit God. Because we don't ask him for what we need to ask him for. We don't trust him in the ways that we should. Because we don't believe we're good enough. We don't believe he'll ever do it for us. I'm here to tell you today. Jesus sees you. He cares for you. He crosses the line in just one touch. He can heal those broken places of your life. Bring it to him. He brings it back to life. He brings it back to life because that is who he is. Bow your heads with me today. Father, today would you just hear us, God? God, I believe nothing is impossible for you. I believe that God, you can heal broken places of our life. Areas where we've lost, areas where we're struggling, hopeless places. Marriages restored, children who are far from God brought back to God. I believe that Jesus, you can do the impossible with just one touch one touch. Sometimes, God, we just got to get out of your way and just watch you work. Watch you do what only you can do. Religion, God, separates us. Religion rules and regulations says do this and do that. Jesus, that's not what you're about. You're about coming to the hurting coming to the broken, finding those who are weeping, finding those who are crying out, finding those in desperate places, finding those with loss in their life, finding those who are sad, finding those who are afraid, finding those who are fearful, finding those who need you in desperate places, for those depressed, for those anxious, for those struggling in life, God, right now, they hear these words, and the word they need to hear is that you see them.
Father God, we settle us down, we settle our emotions, and we just come to this place as we sing about today. And God, we just ask you just to do what only you can do. Father, for those that are broken today, for those that are hurting today, for those that need your touch, God, how I pray that in the next few moments of time, you would just speak to lines and you would touch and you would bring life to those things that are dead and that God you would restore what only you can do. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website crossviewkeokuk.com.